Hi everyone, and welcome to The Human Behind the Screen. And I'm your host, Shauna Morin. The ways in which we work and scale workforces are changing. No longer are we reliant on physical locations in order to operate as a business or a team. And this shift in building teams and companies is coming rapidly. And businesses are being forced to adapt to what they've always done for years. But what does this mean for the humans behind the screen? How do we bring back that human connection when we primarily work online? In this podcast, we'll be speaking to leaders and experts all over the world to dissect what makes businesses successful at remote working. We'll be discussing the importance of human connection, emotional intelligence, and relationships in an ever-changing virtual world. So I'm very excited about welcoming today's guest onto the human behind the screen. Sarah McDevitt is Head of Customer Onboarding and Partner Success at HubSpot. Outside of her role at HubSpot, Sarah is also the founder of a charity, which is called Help Us Give Smiles. And she's an equality advocate and an all-round very inspiring person. I actually met Sarah last year at a leadership breakfast briefing in Dublin. And I was really blown away by her approach to managing teams, not only remote teams, but also in-office teams. And just the ways that she creates an inclusive culture on her team. So, Sarah, I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, you've been at HubSpot for over a year now, and I've been following your journey on social media. It looks like a really great place to work, and it also looks like you're really enjoying it. So what makes HubSpot such a great place to work, do you think? Yeah, I think there's a few factors, I suppose, that make any company a great place to work. I would say on the surface, the job has been as advertised. So obviously, there's a lot of a lot on social media about different companies and different employers and HubSpot's no different, but I've just found that the external projection of the company has been the internal experience as well. So that's been hugely important to me. And I think as well, the thing that I've discovered over the last 12 months of being here is that HubSpot is a place where there's a great willingness to collaborate and collaborate is a word that gets thrown around an awful lot in business and a lot a lot of us can't actually collaborate. It's very difficult for us because collaboration is a super difficult thing to do. But I think what makes collaboration easier is when there's a genuine willingness to come into the room and be open to a different opinion or a different approach. Yeah, and I think, Sarah, like that willingness to collaborate, I love that point. Tell me more about how that works as a multinational company with offices and people all over the world. Yeah. So, and I think that's like the point I'm trying to make is the collaboration is like, is not easy and it's even more complex when you are spread across the globe. But I think one of the things you need is mechanisms to allow for collaboration. So across the globe with my global counterparts, the leadership really tries to foster inclusivity across those teams. And we're still learning because we're still going into loads of different markets and there's loads of leaders coming on board. So I would say that it's not that we have cracked it. It's a work in progress. But I think that willingness to continue to evolve the idea of what collaboration is, is probably the strength that we have. 
on a day-to-day basis, practically how we do it is that I would connect very closely with leaders in other regions. And so we try and keep connected on a, on a weekly basis. We still have our teams come together to share information and ideas. And if we're working on a project or someone's had an idea here, there is that openness that they are able to reach out to another office to maybe get help or a different perspective, depending on what they need in terms of achieving the, the, the end goals. So Again, I think it's just, it's the key here is there is a willingness to collaborate because I think that, you know, that is the biggest issue with collaboration. Everyone throws the word around, but collaboration is an awful lot of hard work. So there really has to be that willingness from the start to give it a try. Yeah. You mentioned that there have been some learnings and it's always a work in progress. What has been some of your key learnings around collaboration over the last year? I would say that, well, I wouldn't even think my my learnings about collaboration have been over the last year. I'd say my learnings about collaboration have been over the last 20 years. But I think um, it's really having a top-down approach. The collaboration is something that's expected and encouraged and that it's what we should be doing. And then another key component is having someone who is the facilitator of that collaboration so that parties really feel they can meet in the middle. And that allows for everyone to come to the table, I think, with a really honest and open um, approach to that collaboration because it's being guided by a central force. Um, but also that it's the expectation to collaborate. I think like if we want anyone to do anything culturally, we have to set the expectation that that's just what we do. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's no different to when I think of raising my own children. We always say that's not what we do in this family. So, again, it's just setting the expectation that that is what we do here. And so that anyone who comes on board, there's clearer guidelines about how collaboration takes place and that it's very much encouraged, but also that not everyone's going to get it right the first time around. And I think that's another important component of it is that there is room for failure and there's room for, for learnings and there's room for people to come back to the table, even during a project and come at it from a different direction. That's great. And you mentioned around how, you know, you connect with leaders on a daily basis all over the globe. It sounds like leaders support each other a lot in HubSpot. What other support systems do you leverage to get better as a leader every day? Oh, well, I mean, we have in HubSpot, we are very lucky. We have an incredible enablement team here. So they would enable the team you know, every single day with their the programs. And they've had, you know, it's a relatively new team for, for HubSpot, but they've had such a huge impact in a very short time. And I know that, you know, we're going to continue to invest in enablement around things like leadership. And that's just a natural part of it. What I would say, like leveraging, you know, learning how to be a leader, for me, you know, you can be born certainly with traits to be a leader, but there's an awful lot of things you need to learn to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, I am still a work in progress. I have a lot to learn. I learn things all the time. I've learned, you know, a lot about myself since I've come here to HubSpot. But for me, a lot of kind of the early basis of my leadership has been just, I suppose, observing other people's leadership styles, observing how different leaders in HubSpot go about leading. Um, And I think that's been hugely beneficial for me from a career point of view, is just to sit back and watch how other people do it. And I think, again, we're lucky that we have a diverse group of leaders. So there's no two leaders who are the same. They all lean into different strengths. They all have different approaches to thinking about problems. And so what I try and do is just 
kind of absorb as much of that as I can to see what I can learn. I'm certainly learning a lot from it. Yeah, there's there's definitely no one size fits all when it comes mm-hmm. to the right leadership style. And it's great to hear that it's that diversity within the leadership team and that learning, I think, is is really important as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just embracing the fact that we don't know everything. We're always learning. We always have to adapt. I think, you know, that's the quality traits of a leader that embraces that. So tell me a little bit about HubSpot's current stance on remote working. Yeah, so you know in HubSpot we are very much we very very much encourage remote working which has been incredible really for me to to see here I think coming from it from a you know we're in Dublin although you know it's it's a European you know EMEA it's the EMEA HQ here and we are in Dublin so you know I think in Ireland we're a little bit behind in terms of our perspective on remote working I think HubSpot globally has done some fantastic work over the last few years to really encourage and hire, certainly in in other parts of the world, people directly from remote. Because we don't have as big a culture here, I suppose, it's an earlier stage. But last year, we very much gave every single employee the opportunity to go remote if they wish to do so. And so for me, I think it's really powerful because for me, there's kind of three key things about remote work. Even if we look at it from an Irish context for a minute, you know, the first and most important thing is what it allows that employee to do, which I think is hugely important and allows them to balance their life. I think the second thing for me is that the impact, the societal impact on remote work, there's huge uh, opportunities for employers to leverage that. And even if we look from an Irish perspective, before I joined HubSpot, I was very privileged to to travel to an, an island off the, the coast of Donegal as part of a project with Three Ireland, they call the island. And essentially, th- three business are trying to make it the most connected island in the world. And that when I got the opportunity to travel there, the thing that struck me is the, the islanders who had been forced to leave because there was not the ability to have employment that they wanted to do on the island, which was traditionally a fishing island. But the fact that technology and broadband had given them now opened this new door to them working remotely from the island so they could still enjoy all of the island heritage and culture and continue to breathe life into that community while still having career opportunities in an industry that they were well above and beyond qualified to work in. So I thought that was like a really powerful, you know, really lenient remote working for truly for the benefit of a community. And And I could see that if we get more comfortable remote working across Ireland, it could have huge impacts for rural communities as, you know, young people are not forced to move away for opportunities. And I think, you know, that has a a knock-on effect in terms of the economy of those communities as, you know, money can be brought back into those communities and breathe new life. So I think that, you know, is hugely important. And then it also solves for a lot of things around housing and, and rather than people being focused so much on the city. So I think like this is definitely huge like societal impact there for remote work. And then thirdly, I think there's a huge benefit for employers because if employers can move away from this idea that they need all of their team to be looking at them every day of the week in the office, and they start to understand the benefits of having remote employees like, you know, a reduced office size that obviously has an impact on their bottom line in terms of rental and all of the other things they need to do if employees are physically there. I think if we can get employers to start think about, you know, the impact on their bottom line 
by the savings they would make by leaning into remote work. And also there's huge benefits to, to the talent pool. There is so many talented people who just don't want to work in major cities. They want a life outside of Dublin in, in the Irish case, they want um, maybe to be in, in places like Cork or just as likely places like Loud. And I think if employers can start to understand that, they will get a wealth of talent who are returning home in a lot of cases from abroad where they have gained experience that we may not have seen in the Irish market. So for me, they're like the three benefits. Like the employee is absolutely first. They get to balance that, their work-life balance, and they get to, you know, potentially some of the things I've come across in the past is the pressures of employees that have to be in Dublin when they have a sick parent or some kind of situation where they would prefer to be closer to home. And that puts huge personal strain on them. I think remote work, where you're talking about long-term situations, allows employees to be close to their family it removes that pressure of having to be pulled between two places and like I said societal societal impact and then impact on on employers and I think small employers actually could benefit massively from thinking that way. And what do you think is holding employers back from embracing remote work because there's a lot of hype about it now but for employers to actually implement remote work and start hiring remote in your experience or with the conversations you've had, what do you think is holding them back? There's probably a few points. I think a lot of employers, if we're being totally honest, have some trust issues. Okay, mm. so I think there's there's probably some trust issues around, well, if I let um, this employee work from home, will they be as productive as an employee that's here that I you know, can, can physically see and physically talk to? And so I think that we need to move past that because the reality is, and in my experience, employees are actually far more productive when working remotely. There's a lot less distractions and they get a lot more work done. I think I would say to employers as well, if, you're, if there's performance issues with your employee, they already have them in the office. There's no limitation on managing people remotely because, you know, every single day I'm working with people remotely all around the world and it in no way impedes our ability to get things done. It in no way impedes our ability to communicate with each other and put action plans in place to get work done. So I think like employers need to move past the idea of, you know, they need to see people in order to trust them. That's just not true. Mm -hmm. The results of whether they're a good employer or not are very much reflected in their work. And Mm so Let's look at the output rather than having um, distrust in the input is what I would say. The other thing I would say is that a little bit of thought and infrastructure needs to go into how are you going to support your employees remotely. So just making sure they're set up in the best possible way to do their job the best they can. I think just making sure that your employees also are trained to go remote, I think would help employers be more comfortable with it. So just ensuring that they understand the implications because remote work is not for everyone, I would say. I myself work from home when, when, and I absolutely, and that's another thing we put huge emphasis and support here in HubSpot for employees. But I'm not someone who would necessarily enjoy working from home because I'm quite a social person. And this is the thing. I think, you know, a lot of people, remote work might be attractive to them for the idea of work-life balance and wanting to be somewhere else. And that's great. But I think it's important for employers to offer support to employees so they feel connected um, to the rest of the team and to the company. And sometimes maybe that's just too much hassle for employers where they have to put that much thought into it. 
But I think that if they put a little bit of thought into it, they would see huge benefits on the other side with the access to talent that they would get. Yeah, and I'm, it's great to hear that you mentioned remote working is not for everybody. And I think, you know, that's something that we need to continue to make clear. And a lot of it has to do with self-awareness. Like, obviously, Sarah, you're aware that, you know, you like being around people, uh, you know, in a day-to-day um, office environment. So I'm interested and curious to know, you mentioned earlier how in HubSpot they gave everybody the opportunity to work from home. Did everybody take uh, up that offer and and how did that go it is the current state of play every day so okay. we have uh, every single person who helps out can work from home anytime they want there's no limitation you know what I would always say to my team is just let someone know you're working from home so we know you're safe because you know we'd hate, I hate to think anything would happen but just it's it's not an asking for permission thing it's just a it's just saying this is where I am today so every single employee can currently work from home some people might choose to work from home three days a week and other people are here five days a week so it depends on a few different things it, and, and also like we have a lot of international employees and I wouldn't say there are times where maybe they would go home on a Thursday night and they'd work from home on the Friday because it gives them the ability to spend time with their family on the Friday evening and the third and the Thursday evening for example mm-hmm. so we would encourage all of that activity not everyone wants to work from home and to be honest with you I see very little difference in their performance because it's based on the person themselves and their own unique talents and the way that they approach their work. But I wouldn't say that, in fact, if anything, sometimes when I talk to employees that work from home, I have to remind them, you know, (laughs) take your lunch, make sure that you you sign off at an appropriate time because actually when you're working from home, it's very easy to fall down a rabbit hole of just keeping going. So a lot of the times it's just reminding employees to make sure they get up and and take their lunch and walk around and do things like that but it's been a really positive thing because I think it builds huge trust as well for employees where they feel well I'm being trusted to do this and I'm going to return that trust by doing the best job I can and that's all I see from it I don't um, in any way certainly in the time I've been here we have some really fantastic managers who are really, really good at managing employees who are not here. They're speaking to them on the phone. We would lean in quite heavily to using Zoom. So, you know, you're on a video. We're not losing that human connection. And actually, I think in the case of remote working and working from home, as much as we complain sometimes about technology has made us use a, a communic- an online communication to, you know, send a message to the person sitting next to us. But actually, in kind of situations like this, that can actually be a benefit because the person who's not physically in the office is, can still be involved in some of the, the banter and, uh, you know, some information is being shared on, we use Slack a lot. We have a lot of team Slack channels. So it just means they're connected with information. They can also be connected with the fun and all of those bits of technology that we sometimes complain, you know, disconnect humans from each other. Actually, in the remote sense and the working from home sense, they can really make everyone still feel very much included. So I think that's been somewhat of a payoff for that maybe in-person disconnect sometimes in the office. Yeah, because oftentimes when you have, you know, teams working from the office and remote, you know, sometimes remote employees feel that little bit excluded. Mm -hmm. So do you guys opt for remote first processes 
such as Slack, such as Zoom, if you're having a conversation and you know that there's people working from home that need to be included, do you deliberately take that to, you know, some sort of tool that can facilitate that for both parties? Yeah, I would say that we're always mindful of, um, because we've had such a strong culture of people working from home, we've always been mindful. So that hasn't been, I would say, too much of a leap for remote employees. Um, And also at HubSpot, we have Slack channels that are just for remote employees. So they have a community of their own and they can talk about some of the challenges facing them as remote workers that maybe their team here wouldn't understand because it's not the same. So there is support for remote workers from other remote workers that I think is really, really important. But certainly, you know, we... I've done a couple of team kickoffs this year where we've got everyone to do it remotely so that the remote employee is not the only person who's remote. So we have got everyone to dial into the call. And people have taken some deeply unflattering photographs of the screen where I'm mid, mid-sentence <laughs> and my face is somewhat contorted. But um, what you do then is have is you have a screen of, you know, maybe like 25 people on the screen and uh, everyone's remote. And we're encouraging that we do some team meetings like that from an inclusivity point of view, that the remote worker is not the only person dialing in. That's worked really well. But I wouldn't say we still have lots to learn about remote working. So I wouldn't say that, you know, we can experiment with lots of things. You know, one of my team that works remotely, we at the start, when he first went remote, we encouraged him to call a different member of the team every morning for 10 minutes just for a social chat, nothing to do about updates in terms of processes or anything to do with the team, just to find out what was going on socially in the team. And that helped him adjust over a period of time until the point he felt like, I feel like I'm pretty connected. Maybe I don't need to do that anymore. And he still maybe does that ad hoc and he would often Mm -hmm. slack me and go, have you got 10 minutes or whatever? So I think like there's things we can do to ease people into it. But for us, it's already been part of the culture of HubSpot to do a lot of working from home. So that, that hasn't been too much of a stretch. But I think we still have huge amounts to learn about remote working and how we can support employees that are remote. Yeah. And your point around your team member who had connected every morning on a social level, you know, nothing to do with work or the to-do list or any projects. And I often find that, you know, especially in fast growing companies, it can be really difficult for people to find the time Mm -hmm. to connect socially in remote environments and Mm -hmm. to be deliberate about that. But how important is that in building those interpersonal relationships? It's hugely important when it comes to newer team members. So when we started it, we started with the the ask was that he would connect with team members he had never physically met Mm. to just to get to know them so that, you know, he doesn't become this guy that works remote, that everyone knows him and remembers him and I think the team does a really good job of if they are talking about something in person they go oh we're going to make sure that you know the remote or the people working uh, from home know this so I think everyone's like hyper aware to make sure they share information in forums where it can be seen by by other team members we did structure the start though you know we set we set up a roster to make sure that he had that opportunity you're right, it is a super busy, fast-paced environment in here. But I have to say, if there's one thing HubSpot do really well, it's it's they make you make the time to connect with other people. So, you know, in terms of managing people even, 
you get, you know, you're, you're talking to your team every single week. You have a one-to-one with them. And I think that's really important just to, to see how they're feeling, you know. And I think as well, the interesting thing about going remote is there would have been a lot of people, I imagine, or certainly the feedback I've heard, that they were planning a move down the country in three years because they had psychologically set themselves up for, I'm not going to be able to keep my job here. It's a three-year plan. I'm going to save. I'm going to move home. I'm going to move a house. And so when HubSpot announced that you can go remote, people were almost taken by surprise. We're like, oh God, I'm not ready yet to leave the, yeah. you know, the city. So I would say like it's a life stage thing as well, where we, we will probably see more people in the coming years decide to go remote for those reasons, returning home. But it's still something that people are absorbing and thinking about whether it's for them. Um, mm. And I think it's interesting, actually, the remote workers that we have here in Ireland I think this is kind of really interesting at telling just around Irish culture is that the people who work remote are not Irish, but they're working remotely in Ireland. Wow. So I think that's kind of interesting that we have people who, and I, and I think that's maybe a, a comfort level we need to get to in Ireland with working remote, because I think that's, there's a self-trust to be built up there as well, that, mm-hmm. you know, I could do this. So I think that's really interesting that we've the people that I know that are remote, they're not Irish, but they're yeah. working remotely in other parts of Ireland, which I find fascinating. Yeah. So I think we could we could do like a, a lot more. And, and we are, you know, we're, we're doing panels around the remote workers just so that people in here can get a sense of what it's like to be a remote worker. So to really give people a, a, a true insight of the experience. Yeah. And, you know, in your experience, especially as you said, kind of those remote workers are talking about challenges that they face or, you know, complexities or things that they're learning. Are there any anything else outside of social time that you see coming up with remote workers? Anything that they're finding challenging? You know, I, I haven't heard too many challenges except ones around isolation and I would say that those challenges are more related again to people asking themselves is this what they want to do so I think maybe you know as the remote community grows there's probably a case to be made that I know in a few other parts of the world they have meetups for remote employees that are in particular cities so they again you know I think the social aspect is a huge one I think as well, we probably have to make an extra special effort for remote workers so that from a management point of view, they see like absolute transparency around, you know, the overall picture of the team because they're in their own individual team and maybe under their individual manager. So I think there's probably a bit of responsibility on senior leaders as well to make sure that they are sharing out company vision and plans but again I think it's something that HubSpot are doing really well because you know in some ways when you're part of a global company we're all remote and so a lot of the communication strategies lean into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah and what do you in terms of your skill set as a as a leader are there any skills that you lean into a little bit more when you're managing remote employees or any skills that you feel work particularly well when you're managing remote? Well, I don't know if it's just about managing remote people, but I think like if you're dealing with anyone remote on a project, for me personally, this is me personally speaking, I always start my conversations with a genuine personal engagement about their life, what they're doing, humor, you know, just really making sure that you get to know the person because Mm -hmm. the biggest danger about remote work or dealing with anyone remotely is that you just focus on the work. 
and you never truly build a relationship because you're only ever focused on that. And it's the relationship, I believe, that is the basis for a remote worker feeling like there's someone I can reach out to, you know, even if I don't have a planned meeting with them, because I, I feel like I know them on a personal level and I feel like I have a sense that I could slack them or I could message them if I have a question. I think if you don't take the time to build those personal connections, um, you know, you never truly, a remote worker can't be truly comfortable that they're not just doing task work. So I think that's super important. For me, I always lean into the personal upfront. A few minutes of just general chit-chat of no importance other than you're building a human connection that then you can actually truly work together. I love that. And it's so important and it sounds so basic, but it's surprising how many leaders or, or people don't do that because they are so busy and they just forget, you know? Yeah, I think I think it's super important to take the time to do that because you can come across cold and very process driven. And I think as well, that, you know, one of the most important things about leaders is you have to be you know, I, I don't even think, you know, liked as always, you don't always have to be liked as a leader, but you have to be respected. And I think one of the things that builds respect is taking an interest in other people. They might they may not love everything about you and the way you do things, but I think if they have the respect to feel that you, you know, certainly care about who they are and have an understanding of their life, I think that, you know, that respect is there in their personal circumstance. So, you know, I can't say that because I don't know. I can't say I'm respected by all. But certainly the thing that I strive for as a leader is to be respected, not in an intimidating sense, in a true human um, Mm. sense to be respected so that people feel that I'm approachable and they can come to me with the good, the bad or the ugly. And that's really, as a leader, the thing I strive for. That's amazing. And even, you know, it's not just having that social conversation, but it's the little things, you know, even you mentioned here today, it's checking in and reminding them, look, you know, take your lunch, you know, switch off, you're working too much. That's how you're connecting on a human level in mm-hmm. those little day to day nuances or, or messages that you send them. That's I think, you know, as well, I agree how you build that human connection in a genuine way. Completely, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So Sarah, look, I mean, just to kind of finish up, are there any resources that have really helped you? Maybe any books, podcasts? What are you listening to right now that's helped you in your working environment in developing as a leader? I mean, genuinely, I am dyslexic. Mm -hmm. So I am not a big fan of reading. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. And anyone who knows me knows this. I am a verbal communicator, but I'm also a verbal learner. So I find the greatest learning for me comes from, I find it hard to to listen to things in a very static way. This is just my particular learning type. And I'm delighted across my team. I I see loads of different people who like to absorb information and learn in loads of different ways. But for me, I'm, I'm a verbal learner and communicator. And that means like when I'm learning verbally, I need to be able to flex what I'm hearing to learn and be able to ask questions. So for me, it's, talking to other leaders but also it's talking to my own team because Mm -hmm. actually my own team even the most junior person on it has taught me a lot Um, and over the years I always think that there's sometimes the best teachers are the person just in the door because they bring a perspective that you don't have because you're so shaded by 
everything you've done for, you know, 20 years that you can't help yourself but to have particular bias. And I think if you really listen to people who are coming in from a completely, some would say naive and innocent way, they give you a perspective that if you truly listen, I think you can look at things a different way. So I, I definitely would do that. I learn things all the time from my team about just understanding what it's like for them to be in the trenches. So again, mm-hmm. I think if you take the time to do that, people are like, they're interested. You know, your team will go, she's actually interested in what I do. She, mm-hmm. she wants to know about the pressures that I'm under. So I use the people in my team as a resource to learn as a leader. I also use, and certainly in the past, I was in the reserve army for 13 years as a corporal. And it was probably one of the greatest leadership experiences I had. And also, I would say true of the charity, because in both of those cases, no one's paid to follow mm-hmm. you. They're there because they want to be there and they're volunteer organizations. And if you weren't a person they wanted to follow, they would walk away. And so I think fine-tuning leadership experience in in volunteer settings where no one needs to be there you know and you know they don't need to be there so you you know there isn't that there isn't a shortcut in terms of leadership you really need to take the time to understand people Mm -hmm. so I would say that being involved in different groups like Equality for Children is the other group that you mentioned around campaigning for the equal rights of the children of LGBTQ plus families. Again, that is a collection of people who are there for a passion project. So you can learn an awful lot from people coming from different perspectives. The group we have come from different business backgrounds. And so they bring, you know, different perspectives on organizational um you know, leadership and things like that. So it, mm. it's so all of those things, I'm very much, a, I would say, I learn on the ground. I mm-hmm. like to see things in action. But I do also really rely on different leaders to maybe pass things on to me. Hubspa as well as a great culture of, of leaders sharing things they have seen that have inspired them. So I would say I do that as well. I I would rely on other leaders in here and even managers to share something that they saw that was truly inspiring to them. And sometimes I would watch them just to see what it is that inspires that manager to get a better insight into kind of what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of I think experiences and people is kind of where I would take a lot of my learning. I'm more of a person that like to I like to see things in action as opposed to Mm -hmm. in theory. And some would say that I've learned through a lot of mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm definitely a believer it's a mistake when it happens. It's a lesson after that. And that's, you know, I try and only make mistakes once if I can at all avoid it. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, truly believe the difference between me and someone who's on the first day of the job is, you know, I've made 999,000 more mistakes than them. And that's what they call experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just as a leader, what I truly believe. Oh, that is incredible, Sarah. Thank you for sharing that. And maybe that's, you know, a tip for other leaders out there that are reading the books or listening to the podcast is to go and actually sit down with your team and and see what you can learn from them, because that's where you get the true learning from other leaders that have maybe gone through that. So it's to get curious, I guess, with the people around you. Is Absolutely. Uh, Le- leadership, leadership is about people at the end of the day. And I 100% believe that, I genuinely believe people are your greatest asset and your greatest teachers. So more leaders need to maybe be on the ground a bit more as opposed to be in their head. Love it. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you for sharing all your insights and wisdom and experiences. If anybody wanted to follow along, 
your journey and maybe read more about the work that you do where can they go well if they if they want to learn about the charity it's uh, hugsireland.com so h-u-g-s ireland.com is is where they can learn about the charity and they want to you they can always follow me on linkedin i i always share a lot of my experiences through articles on linkedin so they can follow me uh, on there with sarah mcdevitt brilliant thanks again sarah it's been a pleasure no worries thank you for having me thanks <laughs>